The following is a Raygun armed, faster than light presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. The time traveling robots in space podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 25 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space for Thursday, March 22nd, 2012. This is the show where we talk about, where we discuss, where we debate at times time travel robots and space. I'm Dave Nelson from Wausau, Wisconsin. That is Paul Swickard also known as Captain Paul Swickard from Glendale, California. Paul, it's been two weeks. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm wonderful now that I'm back doing the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast. It has been too long, sir. It feels good. It has good. been too long. It feels there good, doesn't way it? way too much to talk. I, I just like, uh, I'm, I feel like when I come here, I'm with my peeps. I'm with my homies. Did okay? You know, I'm from California. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. Did you have all that sure. time travel, robot, and space energy and stories all backed up? Are you backed up with time travel, robots, and space stories? I am backed up indeed. <laughs> uh, you could say it's a clog, but it's more of a <laughs> slow drain at this point. I think three weeks we'd hit clog type territory. That's all what right. I'm saying. Let's uh. Let's get that clog out of, out of the drain and uh, get the show on the road. In the future, if you'd like to see us do this show live, we try to do it every week when we can at Spreecast.com <laughs> Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Central. That's 7 p.m. Paul's time Pacific. And for our Spreecast viewers, feel free to ask questions throughout the show. Either type them into the chat room or submit one at the bottom right where it says comment or question. If you're new to the time traveling robots in space, we break it down. We talk about time travel. We talk about space. And then we talk about, no, hang on. We talk about time travel. <laughs> we talk about robots and then space. And then we have recommendations and we have a question at the end. It's kind of complicated. So let's get, just get this thing going. Sector one, time travel. All right, here we go. Uh, we talked about this couple episodes ago when it debuted at the Sundance Film Festival, Sound of My Voice. Uh, but now you can check out the first trailer and watch the movie's first 12 minutes. The footage, which debuted at WonderCon over the weekend, shows the induction of new members into a mysterious cult. The group's leader is a young woman named Maggie who claims to be a time traveler from the year 2054. The trailer reveals that two of those new members are actually investigative journalists out to expose her as a con, but things might not be that simple. In the film, Maggie claims to be one of a number of time travelers who've been sent backwards in time. According to her, she woke up in a bathroom a few months ago with no memories and a shattered immune system. How convenient. And it was only with the help of the mm. character of Kloss, who knew of the existence of such people, that she was able to figure out where, or in this case, when she came from. Sound of My Voice, which was shot for virtually no money with a volunteer cast and crew around the Los Angeles area. Are you in this, Paul? Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. <laughs> <laughs> I am now a movie star. In the sound of music, excuse me, the sound of my voice. Sound of music. You, the sound of my voice 
and the spoiler alert, the voice is mine. So, no, I have not been in this. <laughs> I thought everybody in Los Angeles was an actor. That's why I asked. Uh, no, everybody in Los Angeles is a waiter or a waitress. Oh, okay. And they are trying to be actors or ah, actresses. Ah, I see. I see how it goes. All right, just checking. <laughs> Sound of My Voice is in theaters, in select theaters, on April 27th. Now, Paul, question for you. Oh, by the way, yes, I should sir. probably put the link in the chat. We'll put this in the chat room. Make it easy for our viewers to check it out. That is the trailer for it. And we'll put a link to the story that I got this from in the chat as well. And uh, for the uh, podcast listeners, we'll put these in the show notes too, along with the podcast. Now, question for you. Is this a movie that you would be interested in seeing? Hmm. You know, probably, even though I'm kind of iffy. I'm with you. I'm, I'm iffy on the whole I have no memory of anything trope in film. I, that gets to me sometimes. I'm like, uh, I really, you can probably do a little bit better than I lost how, all of my memory and therefore have no idea who I am. The thing is, though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I understand. But the thing is, it kind of opens up a whole, you know, is she telling the truth or is she lying? You know, it's like it sounds like a cop out. It sounds like an excuse. It sounds like she just lost her memory and she's making all this stuff up. But then again, there's that little nugget of doubt in the back of your brain going, maybe she is from the year 2054. Hmm. That's true. They did something that actually, I don't know why, it kind of reminds me of Kipax. Did you ever see that film? No, but I... It was the... Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, Kevin, whoever was in it. Kevin, help me out. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. And, um, yeah, Kevin Spacey. You know, guy who was killer in a bunch of other movies. <laughs> killer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Capex. You know the whole thing. They he, Cape, uh, Kevin Spacey gets committed to a mental institution, claiming to be an alien. Okay, and they try to disprove him. And at, by the end of it, you know, there's still kind of an open question as to whether or not he is, he was, or was not telling the truth. There is evidence to support either claim. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of where that, that that's kind of what that reminded me of. Okay, yeah. This has... Jeff Bridges si- being the doctor. Yeah, this has similar characteristics, and I believe... Yeah. All right, so uh, check it out if you can. If it's available at your local theater, April 27th, it has sounded my voice. And by the way, Brad, my host for the Alien Invasion podcast, is in the chat room, and he loves K-Pax. And Lou Page is also in the chat room. Um and he mentions Jeff Bridges. So thank you guys for uh, giving us that information. All right. Time travel. You've got the second. You've got so, the second of our stories tonight. I do indeed. I and the third and the fourth. I have not one. What? Not two, uh, but three. I told you I was backed up. Three stories See, from this, time travel. This is what we get. Three. For t- this is what we get from taking a week off. The stories are piling up. It's going to be an extra large I, show tonight. I promise I will get through these as time permits. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Notice ha, that. Point number it. one. You recall our story from two weeks ago about these 
time traveling Chinese women who decided to commit suicide in the attempt to travel back in time. Yes. Are you familiar with this story? I yes, am, I am familiar. So I apparently mainstream decided to pick it up three days after the fact. Three days, Dave. Wow. So just just FYI, it hits, you know, Chinese. It hits all the Chinese media. Then it hits us. And then it hits Fox News, KTLA, New York Daily News, all reporting about it after the fact three days later. So we were ahead Just of the saying. We were ahead of, We were ahead of the game. We beat Fox News. That's exactly right. We rock. <laughs> exactly right. So pat on ourselves pat ourselves on the back for that one. Just wanted to throw it out throw that out there. I, I the only reason I caught it was because it like I saw a brief story on one of those news outlets. I'm like, huh. That's weird, and they're a little late to the game. So, yeah, sure enough, looked it up, and it was way after the fact. Point number two, Terra Nova. We've talked about this many times. Mm-hmm. It you, you show what got kind of canceled, and uh, probably unfortunately so. I know you kind of like the show, Dave. Wait a second. Wait a second. I have not read ahead. You said sort of canceled. Does do you, are, Is that a hint? Is that something going on with the show? Is it not canceled? It is a hint. It is not. I won't call it uncanceled, but the recent rumor is is that Netflix, of all people, is looking pick it up. Whoa! So get that. Try yeah. Try that one on for size. It's like hey, maybe maybe Netflix wants it, but yeah, the word is is that Netflix is quote unquote shopping around to see if they want to pick up Terra Nova specifically. They mentioned Terra Nova by name, so that could be great. It could be awful. Netflix is kind of known for having what started with a great business model and then shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly. So we'll see <laughs> if it actually results in something good. <laughs> I'm encouraged by this because I'm encouraged by the fact that they're trying to pick up the show. And I'm also encouraged by the fact that they're adding on to their list of original shows because they have Lilyhammer and then they have that other show that I always forget the name of coming up i believe 2013 release it's a totally yeah yeah it's a totally original show that they came up with and um do you know the name of that no not off the top of my head i know of lily hammer that's it but yeah i mean netflix has been looking or has been successful in creating their own content so Mm -hmm. this would be an interesting purchase for them i show it once once on you know a normal normally you know normal broadcast television network versus just, hey, let's try it on streaming media only. So that could work. It could be awesome. We don't know. I, if, you know, I know the folks that over at Netflix are listening to this. So my recommendation, pick it up. <laughs> so, oh, 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 Netflix people, they're regulars to the uh, Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast. The regular listeners. Yeah. You know that for a fact? You know. I have inside information that I've made up, and it's it's I can 100% confirm that that is the case. All right, so Netflix, we're looking at you. Pick it up. We say so. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. And last but certainly not least, well, kind of least. I don't know. Scott Wolf. You may remember him from such 80s films. No, not films. Such 80s television shows like Party of Five. Yeah, it's. Do you recall that show? Like I think very yeah, overly yeah, dramatic. Kinda, yeah, yeah. You know. 1990s, I think. I think you're. 
I think you're a decade too early. 1990s. 90s? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just remembered like girls. In high, well, yeah, I guess that's right. I was in high school in the 90s. Okay. So I remember high school girls just fawning over him. Anywho. <laughs> Uh, he has joined the CW time travel pilot, Joey Dakota. Oh, I've heard about this show. So, we, we talked about this show. Yeah. So, first of all, horrible name. <laughs> Joey Dakota. It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like, to go back to the earlier point, sounds like a deputy in a bad 80s cop show. Yes, this is Joey Dakota and his sidekick, K9 unit bradley or something i don't know <laughs> but yeah and, and this the premise for the show is really kind of strange like it, it almost is kind of like uh it's it's obviously a science fiction related show as this you know this woman is going back in time but it's, it seems like they're trying to grapple with like romantic issues like you know she falling in love with you know past people and you know not wanting to leave that kind of thing so you know i i and it's on the CW, so take that for what it is worth. Okay, can you run down the plot real quick? Can you sum, uh, sum it up for us? I can. Let's see. Rockstar Danny's. Okay, let's see. I'm trying to skim through the actual actual text here to actually get to the good stuff. Amber Stevens, as a documentary filmmaker who's making a film about the title character, a rock star who died in the 90s. This is revolving around this woman. She ends up traveling back in time to actually meet the guy, and romance ensues. <laughs> she ends up <laughs> she ends up back in the present day and trying to figure out how to get back to the past to prevent his death. So, yeah, that is the basic premise of the show. I think it's based on, I think this is an American version of a show that was on in Israel, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember that when we talked about this before? Let's see. Oh, which is based on the Israeli ser- series Danny Hollywood. So yeah, there you go. There, there goes the. There's the, that's exactly why you have the silly name. <laughs> Dave Danny Nelson. Hollywood. Dave Nelson for the win right here. <laughs> see, Dave. Dave Nelson is kind of like, I don't know. I believe it. Joey Dakota. That man does not exist. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. He he's a he's a rock star, right? He is a rock star. Yeah, that so correct. that's the rock star-ish name, Joey Dakota. Well, not necessarily a rock star, but more of a pop star kind of name. Like, I can see a guy named okay. Joey Dakota yeah. on a show like, you know, America's Got Talent or, you know, American Idol, those kind, or The Voice. I guess that's the hip new show. Uh. <laughs> Brad, Brad says, Dave Nelson, okay. attorney at law. Yes, I am... Dave Nelson, attorney at law. I totally see the promo for you doing that. You know, just walk into the courtroom. I object. (laughs) Dave Nelson, attorney at law. Call me. Uh, So, okay. This seems like the perfect show for the CW. You know, this seems like something that's totally up their alley. Yeah, it's... uh, Anessa in the chat room commented, it's a time travel show for chicks. That is, yes, that is exactly how it sounds. The description is totally lends itself to that. All right. We shall see. Is there a premiere date for this? Uh, Not I saw. I let me let me try and hunt for it here real quick. 
I'm guessing next fall. That's my prediction. I'm guessing that as well. Yeah, there's no release date here. Okay. Sorry, folks. You will have to wait to see Scott Wolf. I'm on pins and needles. Attorney of Law. No. Wait. <laughs> Rockstar. Scott Wolf, Joy Dakota, Dave Nelson. It's all the same. All right. So are we done with that story? <laughs> I hope to God we are. Done. Okay. We are. We are done. <sighs> all right. Good. Let's move on. Uh, before we continue, though, don't forget you can contact us, uh, contact us and tell us how bad we suck. Or tell us how awesome we are. Call our voicemail number. It's easy. If You can save the time of typing just by calling our voicemail number and expressing us vocally your displeasure or your pleasure for the show. Uh, the number is 805-328-3966. And actually, that's Paul's number. So when you're calling that... It's my direct number. You're calling his direct number so he may even pick up you never know i might you know famous people pick up the phone all the time <laughs> i once got a date my wrong number you what <laughs> moving on okay <laughs> 805-328-3966 our email is galacticnetcasts at gmail.com or go to galacticnetcast.com the website and uh make a comment on uh this episode all right Moving on. All right, so now that the RoboCop movie reboot finally has its Officer Murphy in the form of the killing star Joel Kinnaman, a release date has been announced mm -hmm. by MGM. RoboCop will hit theaters August 9th, 2013. So next year is shaping up to be a pretty fantastic year for movies. We've got the Star Trek movie, and now we've got RoboCop on August 9th. Currently, no other movies are scheduled on that weekend, but that will certainly change. And here's director Jose Padilla with a, a few more thoughts as to his approach. And we're, we've had a few of these gems from Jose so far, so let's hear what he has to say this time. Wars in the future are going to be fought with drones. They're actually... Fought with drones right now, but we won't get into that right now. Uh, we won't send a plane <laughs> with a pilot in it. It will be be a drone. Or he says, it will be drone. It's getting that way now, and ten, 10 years from now, that's how wars are going to be fought. But what if a drone goes wrong? Who's to blame then? Do you blame the drone? And that, <laughs> and that problem asks if you consider a robot guilty of a crime. See, his English is really bad. Um, or is it the corporation right. that made the robot that is guilty? How do you fight back against drones when you don't have drones? See, that, that really confused me. <laughs> but I, I think I get what he's trying to say is, who are you going to blame when the drone or the robot goes wrong? And it sounds like, that's what the plot of the RoboCop reboot's going to be. Is basically something's going to go wrong, something's going to go haywire, and nobody's going to know who's going to who who to blame for the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of well, age-old question: Do robots, you know, can robots be held accountable for their actions if they are pre-programmed? You know. Yep. So. For someone like RoboCop, who is neither not completely human nor completely robot, a cyborg, if you will, <laughs> you 
you want to think that he is in control of exactly what he's doing. But if you watch the Robocop movie, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, I understand what he's getting at, at the very least. But, uh, yeah, I guess he, he, he could have said that a bit better. Yeah. No, he's not from our country. He, uh, uh, English is not mm. his native language. So that's why his quotes are always so weirdly structured. And I think I have a feeling as to where this is going, as to the plot of this film, I think what what's going to happen is they're going to have this robot police force or they're going to try to put together this robot police force. Something goes wrong and they decide to change their tactic by taking a human and making him a robot and thus RoboCop is born. Don't you think? Yeah. No, I mean... The- uh, there have been similar plot lines in the RoboCop series. Generally, it's something like, okay, we have created RoboCop. Let's try to do it again. And, you know, they have, they get, they usually get the most immediate success with full, just robotic, you know, just machines. And inevitably, they will always go wrong. Like yeah. something always goes terribly wrong. And Robo- RoboCop is the only one that can actually stop them and recognizes that the robot the robots are actually doing something wrong and the robot, obviously the robots themselves have no idea because they think they're just doing their job. Yep. And Lou in the chat room, Lou in the chat room brings up stealth, similar plot, not necessarily robots, but it was technology. So it's, it's very similar to what it sounds like they're going to do with the robot reboot. So. Yep. 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 All right. 2013, August 9th, RoboCop, in theaters, make plans now. All right. <laughs> I was actually thinking, I don't know why. I thought that this was coming sooner. I thought this was a fall release. No, I think... I don't know why. Maybe you were thinking of Total Recall. Because that's going to be out this fall. You're right. You were right. Good call. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Total Re- Recall out this fall. Both 1980s, we'll both 1980s remakes. So... I could see where the confusion nice. would lie. All right. Uh, robots, let's continue on. And you've got the next story, Paul. Indeed I do, and it's just one. But it's enough. Real, real still. You see what I did there? Yes. Got it. It's real, and it's real still. Oh, uh, this really, really neat, really neat idea, really cool uh, Really cool bipedal humanoid robot. This this man has built. Uh, Nakuimuru is enters into what is this? Oh, sorry, I totally lost my place. <laughs> it's okay. We no, he made, we, we've been off he, for two weeks. I understand. Made, <laughs> he made a robot inspired by the Real Steel movie. Oh, awesome! And it's yeah, it's pretty darn cool. It's a, uh, yeah, and essentially, if you've ever played with the Microsoft Connect, which is that motion eye sensor thing, yep. like you play games based on what your movements, it's essentially the same idea. You're moving, you're moving, you're making basic movements, and the robot is following you. So yeah, it's kind of cool. It basically, if you look at the video and chat room, you guys will see this. It looks like a, a, you know, a very large toy. So it's like five feet tall. No, not that big. It's like three feet tall. And it looks like Voltron and the kid moving around and actually like sparring with, with I think, which I'd assume is be his father or something like that. But yeah, it's pretty cool. 
It's a little bit slower. It's not as responsive as the real steel in the real steel movie, but it's a good try. It's a good yeah, first Yeah, it's not. It's a good first effort. Technology is still very raw at this point. But I can see you can see potential. That's exactly right. You can see potential. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, he um yeah, it's not one to one. Like you know, anyone who's ever played those motion sensor type games knows that it. There have been times, there have been plenty of times where you'll make a quick movement or whatever, and you'll notice that it takes a bit for the, you know, the robot in this case to catch up with you. It's the same problem. So yeah, you'll he has to move kind of like you know slowly, like you know, like like very like almost like you're almost like you're training. But uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. It is a great first step. Great first step, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah, that Connect technology is being used in a lot of very interesting ways, and you mm-hmm. know, give a few, you know, a few years down the line, I could see this being a potential real thing, like us going to watch robots fight in a ring, just like the movie. I think the filmmakers were maybe visionaries because they maybe saw the future. This is a distinct possibility. Wouldn't that be weird? Like, just like of all the random movies, you know, predicting the future, you think, hey, yeah, real, real still, man. <laughs> pretty much had it nailed, those guys. <laughs> well, you know, really, when you think about it, the inspiration here is Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It's not the movie Real Steel. <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Robots is Fair where enough. it started, when you think about it. Yep. Yep. No, that's true. You are you are quite right about that. But, I mean, yeah, I I, I can see at least from a human perspective, kind of like the baser instincts being filled by that role. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason, you know, the reason people like boxing, not saying that I do, but boxing or blood sports or stuff like that is because they like, and they get entertainment out of watching conflict. So, you know, watching two robot, like if I, if someone were to tell me, Hey, you could see two live robots, kick the crap out of each other. Who wouldn't want to see that? No. I'd want to see that. Yeah. no, a lot more exciting than watching two guys beat each other up. And just think yeah. just think of all the possibilities, all the add-ons they could do. And and the stuff that that human boxers couldn't do in 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 a fight between uh-huh. two robots, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody gets hurt. <laughs> I'd imagine that would be a common argument. Nobody's nobody's actually getting hurt here. <laughs> Good point in the chat room. Anessa brought up the fa- or the question if there was a TV show like this, like um, Real Steel, and Brad said Mighty Orbits, Orbots. I've never heard of Mighty Orbots. Is that what it was called? Yeah, it, yeah, it was on like Discovery Channel or something. Oh, but so, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Okay, it was. It was radio controlled. Like it, it's radio controlled cars. Okay. Like you know, like you just yeah, it's like a battle bot type of thing. You yeah. just make these little oh. kill machines and try to beat up other robots. I see. Okay. Yeah, I do remember BattleBots, and this is this would be uh, the next step, basically. You know, from from a robot to actually human-looking robots that can fight each other. You know, that's the next step, the mm-hmm. next great leap. All right, we have a new Indeed, feature. Sir. We have a new feature on the show. It's the robot video of the week. I know that your story had a video, but we've got two videos for the price of one. Um. Here, I'll wow. put the link in the chat room so you guys can check this out. I don't know if you got a chance to watch this, Paul. 
If you like watching robots fall down, you might not enjoy Charlie L2, built at oh, Virginia yeah. Tech. This full-size humanoid can get pushed around and keep going. Charlie uses a variety of sensors to quickly stabilize itself when hit, making it look like a brick wall. An earlier version of this bot rose to robo stardom last year when it won the adult size league at RoboCup 2011. I didn't know that there was such a thing as RoboCup tw- Robo RoboCup 2011. Yeah. I didn't either. <laughs> the team behind RoboCup, I like that. Yeah, the, it's kind of like Robo RoboCop, but cup. Uh, the team behind the Charlie Ro- Charlie bots hopes to advance the science that could allow for more humanoid bots and pursue Oh. I cut off the story. There was more, but I didn't put the rest on there. But but they want more humanoid bots in this kind of competition, mm-hmm. I think. But the video is pretty cool. You know, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, that robot can do better than I can do. <laughs> you know, we've seen I get hit in the back like that. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'd be I'm down. Falling. I'd be on the floor. But we <laughs> we've seen a lot of these videos of people pushing trying to knock over robots. Have we've seen a few of these. Yeah, the civilization. Well, yeah, which makes sense, you know, like if you're actually putting a robot into practice, no surface practically that we ever walk on is completely flat. It's always rugged. There're always stuff to be, you know, traversed in some way, especially if you're talking like, you know, robots in like the army or yeah. you know, bomb defusing robots, something yeah. like that. There's always rubble, there's always other kinds of stuff to go around, so you, you would want something that could actually like kind of counteract itself and try to like adjust accordingly. You know what I mean? I do. And it's good to see mm-hmm. that others are getting involved and it's not DARPA again. DARPA seems to have really dominated this <laughs> field recently. I'm glad to see Virginia Tech is a contender in the battle of the robot videos. So... We'll put the we'll put the link in the uh, uh, yeah. show, we'll put the link in the show notes of the podcast if you want to check out the video for yourself. Just put a rocket launcher on its back and DARPA, here we come. It'll yes, work. Yes, yes. I know it'll work. See, robots fighting robots. <laughs> That's what the future is all about. This is going to be our future. No more people going into battle, which is awesome. Bot against bot. It's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, transformers in real life. It's going to be awesome. All right. Just Michael Bay. <laughs> uh, before we continue, uh, don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast if you don't think that we suck too much uh, by going to galacticnetcast.com. See, I know how to sell things. I'm a natural-born seller. See, wouldn't you subscribe what? to this podcast if you just if you heard me say what I just said? Don't you... Th- what? I'm a nat- um, natural born. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So galacticnetcast.com. Subscribe to this and our other shows, including the Alien Invasion show, which uh, Brad, my co-host in that show, he's in the chat room tonight. Thank you, Brad, for joining us. Also, the Sci-Fi Film School podcast. It's all there. Either just uh, click on the iTunes logo or fill out the email form. Also, on our main menu, we have links to our Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. We need more people following us uh, following us on the social, the social nets. And um, 
If you, <laughs> if, is that what the kids are saying? Yeah, that's what the kids are saying. All the cool kids are saying. Um, if you want to know what we're doing, you know, uh, if we're going live on Spreecast.com, then the best way to do that is by following us on Google Plus, Facebook, or Twitter. All right, let's continue. Space. Oh man, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this story, Paul. Okay. Did you look ahead? Did you read it? But I know what it's about. Yeah, this is exciting. And yeah, I think you should talk about it. Exciting. Don't, don't leave people hanging, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my that's my natural entertainer. I'm, I'm teasing you. I'm making you get no, out pins and needles first before I get into it. All right, you ready? You're probably right. You're probably right. All right, go ahead. All right, here we go. From Deadline.com, the good news is sci-fi will air that Battlestar Galactica prequel movie, Blood and Chrome, in its entirety sometime in the near future. The bad news, however, is the network has decided not to go forward with it as a regular series. So it's going to air the movie probably in 2013, this two-hour pilot um, initially uh, envisioned as a web series, Blood and Chrome, was green-lighted as a two-hour TV pilot in 2010, but because of intensive post-production, it was not delivered to Sci-Fi until last November. As of January, Sci-Fi president of original programming, Mark Stern, was quoted as saying that he and the network were trying to figure out the economics and that he hoped those would be figured out. Now the network has passed on the project as a regular series, but is looking to do it as a digital one while airing the already produced pilot on the network as a movie. Though the vision of Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome was or has evolved over the course of the past year, our enthusiasm for this ambitious project has not waned, Stern said in a statement. Today, we are actively pursuing it as was originally intended, a groundbreaking digital series that will launch to audiences beyond the scope of a television screen. Despite delays, fan enthusiasm for Blood and Chrome never died and went into overdrive over the past couple of days following a WonderCon panel with Kevin Grazier, the scientific advisor for the movie, where he screened a trailer for Blood and Chrome, which then found its way on the web Monday night. Universal Cable Productions which produced Blood and Chrome, may still shop the project to other networks. Have you seen the trailer, Paul? I have not seen the trailer. I oh. feel as though I'm doing myself a disservice having not seen it. It is freaking... This was in... Go ahead. This was from WonderCon? Yeah, WonderCon. This guy... He, okay. He, it wasn't authorized. He just brought it with him and they played it. It's not, it's not an authorized oh, wow. trailer. It's not authorized by Sci-Fi. It's not authorized by Universal. He just played it, and then somehow it found its way online. And I actually saw it and posted it to our website, galacticnetcast.com. I had to replace it once because Universal or YouTube kept finding all the copies and taking them down. I'm going to see if the one that I put up, the second one I put up, is still there. And then I'll put the link in the uh, chat room. Yeah, the trailer's amazing. And what they did was little background story they took digital hang on let me see if it's still there uh okay yeah it's 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 you'd think that after this got out that they'd just be like okay whatever 
We'll put let's let's host it ourselves. Yeah, I drive people to our to our stuff. I don't get that. It, networks are still stupid. I have a couple of points though before we continue. Uh, point number one is I don't care if the show is not going to be aired on regular cable because I watch enough stuff online as it is. If this is a web only series, I'll take it. I'm fine with it. You know, um, okay. it's better than having nothing. Plus, we get the two-hour freaking movie out of this thing. And the trailer, it's down, by the way. The trailer's offline. And the network, see, they need to start figuring this. They, they need to get their act together and finally realize that even this kind of thing, even stuff that's not authorized, is good promotion for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If uh, my kind of my attitude about it is yeah, we shouldn't have released a particular trailer, you know, or it shouldn't have gotten it out. It got out somehow. Okay. It's not, you know, making us sad or something like that. So, why not it, it it's totally silly to me why they don't just put it out there now under their own banner. Like make people want to find out more about it. Yep. Like that's what that's what I really don't understand. It, you know, once it's there and it's people know about it, that that's you. The marketing has done its job. So now it's up to you to figure out. Okay, what are they going to do with that information? Are they going to go and just try to find out somewhere from you know someone people like us, or and then people like us having to make you know some conjecture as to where it is and what it was about and that kind of thing, or. You could just have them go directly to where they need to go so they can say, oh, yeah, guess what? It's airing on this particular time or, you know, airing soon. It, just something. Mm-hmm. Well, there there might be an issue with the soundtrack because they did use the Immigrant Song, the, rem- the, the remade version for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie. And it fit perfectly. But I'm thinking oh, that I'm thinking that maybe that wasn't authorized music, so that's one of the reasons because of the DMCA that they took the the videos down. But I think that maybe Sci-Fi and Universal were like, "We're not ready for this yet. Just take them all down," which is stupid. I don't mm-hmm. understand it. I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, get your act together. You know, happy happy that you guys are making the movie. You know, happy that it's done. Happy that it's going to continue on as a web series. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little background. Come on, man. A little background story to Blood and Chrome. Uh, What they did is they took digital stills and and uh, took video of the Galactica set before they tore tore it apart. And they're making this series all digitally. It's all it's all virtual sets. So um, if you ever get a chance to see the trailer, you'll notice that right away that it doesn't look exactly real. Like it doesn't look like the original Battlestar Galactica series, but it looks good enough. It looks really, really good. Um, so if it ever goes back up again, check it out. It's the trailer for Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome, probably airing sometime in 2013. We have Armageddon, the bad movie from the 90s. Oh, no. I don't know if it was that bad. It was okay. But, yeah, we uh, we have Armageddon for reals, ladies and gentlemen. Except in like computer computational world, so scientists at the Los Alamos National Laboratory, a which is a United States Department of Energy facility in New Mexico, used a supercomputer to model nukes' anti-asteroid effectiveness. So essentially, they were making computer models to simulate: okay, if an asteroid is this big, 
how big of an explosion would it take to make the asteroid not hit Earth, okay. basically. So, yeah, it was it, uh, what they found is actually kind of interesting. They, they said they attacked a 1,650-foot-long space rock. That's what they put it. Okay, space rock. Or 50, 500 meters with a one-megaton nuclear blast. About 50 times more powerful than the U.S. blast that inflicted Nagasaki, Japan. So just to give you perspective, 50 times more powerful. And they said, ultimately, the one megaton blast will disrupt the rock of that size. So you got to think, okay, one, you know, 1,650 feet. That's in asteroid terms. That's kind of big, but it's not it's not Armageddon big. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in asteroid, you know, the asteroid in Armageddon, if we're just going to go directly on that movie, that was, you know, they kept saying it was the size of Texas, which is obviously bigger than uh, <laughs> 1,600 yeah. feet. Yeah. No, but this is still pretty big. I mean, asteroids yeah, can do a lot of da- they can do a lot it of damage sure. if they if they hit the right spot, you know, if they hit on land. If they hit a big city, they can cause environmental damage just from kicking up a lot of dust. Um, so, sure, I no doubt. My I guess my point is we're talking about a nuclear weapon that was about fifty again fifty times more powerful than the attack on Japan. To a rock is sixteen hundred feet long. So, yeah, I that's not even a mile. So it's like it's less than half of a mile. So you got to think. So we're talking. I guess my only point is, is that the what it takes to actually disrupt the rock is actually a lot larger than one might expect it to be. Okay, that's interesting because I just watched a TED talk with Phil Plate the other night, and he was talking about how little it would take to move an asteroid, like. All you would need is, I forget how it, um, I think it was uh, a spacecraft that was in two parts, um, and you would just basically, I forget how it went, but he said, ultimately he said that it wouldn't take very much to move an asteroid, just a little bit, just through... Okay. Just through inertia, inertia by the spacecraft. That's all it would take. Sure. Now... Note here that we're not talking about moving it; we're talking about destroying it. Oh, so okay. I think that's the distinction that we're that these guys are trying to make here. Okay. Yeah. So I I guess that's in a way that's wonderful because if we can divert it enough, that's all we really need to do. But yeah, if we had to make it make it completely like have the chunks like be so small that they would dissolve in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. that's what it would take is a is a nuclear blast. Okay. You know, I'm not really that worried about asteroids and, you know, space, you know, big things from space anymore from watching that TED Talk because Phil made it sound like it would take a lot for an asteroid to hit that sweet spot where that uh, Mm. it's like a hole that it has to hit in order for it to actually, you know, uh, get into our atmosphere. Because of the gravity well or something, I I'm terrible at explaining this, but basically, it's a lot harder than you think 
for an asteroid to enter our atmosphere than than people would think. It has to hit I would think so. a certain trajectory. When you're talking about okay, when you're talking about the Earth's atmosphere, if you go in too steep, you're going to burn up yeah. in the atmosphere. If you go in too shallow, you will bounce off. Yeah. So there is a very specific angle where you would have to go. It would mitigate. You know, you're not going to burn up. You know, you'll burn, but you won't burn up completely. Yeah. But you won't skip off the Earth at, Earth's atmosphere. Okay. That's I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. See. At, okay. Cool. I'm glad one of us can actually explain these things, because <laughs> obviously <laughs> I can't. Uh, that's what I'm here for. That's why you pay me the big bucks. I don't pay anything. What are you talking about? We need to talk about it after the fact. Oh, okay. All right. After the cameras are off. (laughs) All right. Uh, So that covers robots, time travel, and space. Before we move on to our recommendations, don't forget, you can listen to this and our other shows on the Galactic Netcast Network via the Stitcher Smart Radio app for your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, or WebOS device. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. You can find it in your app store or, or go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts. And uh, we thank Stitcher for their support of the time-traveling robots in space. I know the doc has me going first, Paul, but I'm totally out of breath. So uh, our recommendations will start with you tonight. What do you got? Indeed. Indeed. Now, now I might garner a little bit of hate for this. And I understand... I understand. But hear me out. Just just roll with me on this one. Okay. I am going to recommend the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film. Now, I know people <laughs> I can feel hate already. <laughs> Not from the chat room, but I definitely feel like, oh god, I killed something. Um a lot you know, a lot of people thought that this movie was not as true to the book as it needed to be. And I understand that. I do. Because it's really, really hard to translate the Douglas Adams book into the the film that everybody saw. You know what I mean? Like, it is... It, a lot of it is, rare, is, is long strings of inner dialogue that don't make, like, don't make any sense with anything else. It's you know hard, what I mean? It's hard to translate. Like, it's, it's hard to translate into a film. That's sure. what I'm trying to say. Sure. Well, yeah, because you're having you needed a narrator to describe the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book all the time if you wanted to, uh, you know, make the movie in line, perfectly in line with the book, which obviously you can't do. But you know, as flawed as it was, I am gonna say go ahead and watch it, and you should. I there were plenty of parts where I laughed. There are plenty of parts where I thought it was I thought it was just fine for what it was. What's so, your, what's, yeah, what's, that is, that, what do you like about it the most? What do I like about it the most? I thought they cast it really well. I thought the, the cast itself was, was pretty strong. Like you, like most deaf was, was good and I didn't expect him to be like, I, it was like, eh, you know, most deaf, whatever. But he was, I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good. And I thought Sam Rockwell was also like Sam Rockwell is really good. Like this was even before he got some of the more, more recent notoriety that he has now. So yeah, I really, I enjoyed the cast. I thought the cast was really good. And again, 
I thought I thought some of the writing was pretty solid, but yeah, I I'd say I'd say, and at least in my case, the cast carried most of it. So, Have you seen this particular one or read the book or both? It's been a long time. I've okay. What I have experienced, what I have gotten, the versions of Hitchhikers I've gotten is the movie. I think I watched it on DVD when it first came out. And then mm. early in my childhood, I listened to the radio, um, the radio plays, which was the original. That was the first thing, right? Before, I mean, even before the book, it was the, it was, it was the radio play, and then it was trans, transported, translated into the, or transcribed into the book, right? I think that's the case. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I wish I did, but yeah, I think that's the case. That sounds right to me. Yeah, and Brad confirms it. He yeah. I he, mean, you had a lot of he did. Uh, Brad, <laughs> the book was actually Brad's recommendation on our show, so he kind of knows. But go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Again, again, the the cast is excellent. Like, just and I'll just give you a few. You have Zoe Deschanel. You have Bill Nye. Bill Nye is one of my favorites. I lo- I love that guy. You do, do you know who that is? It's not Bill Nye, the, the science guy, right? He, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It is, he is. <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about. He's British. He's British, right? Yeah, yeah. Bill Nye. He had like he collapsed at a at a thing at, that he did at USC not too long ago. Oh wow. It sucked. He passed out like right on stage. He was doing a he was doing a little seminar thing. Holy and, crap. Yeah, he was like he was like crazy dehydrated or something. Oh my god. Anyway, sorry, quick tangent. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Knight, he was he was I guess most of most people know him from either the Shaun of the Dead movie or the um, Hot Fuzz movie. He was the chief inspector. Yeah. On Hot Fuzz, and yep. he was Sean's stepdad. But I really like him. I, I think he's amazing. Um, Warwick Davis is in it. Alan Rickman, Helen Mirren, Stephen Fry, John Malkovich. Wow. I mean, really good cast members. Yeah. I'm going to have to so, rewatch yeah. this. I'm going to have to go and rent this. Um, I think I looked for it. It wasn't on Netflix. I think it was on Amazon, but you had to rent it. So... I think I'll have to go to yeah. my, my local video store down the street and actually get it for like 99 cents. Go and do that. It's worth it. You know, it's worth, I think it's worth the watch. I think it's, I think it's fun. All right. If you say it's fun, then it's fun. Moving on with my it's recommendation. Fun. It is uh, Star Trek Voyager, the episode Shattered. It's the 157th episode of the TV series and the 11th episode of the seventh season, which was the last season, it aired on January 17th, 2001. You know what's great about having Netflix is every single Star Trek mm. episode ever made is on Netflix at the tip of your fingers. You can go it's watch. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Any Star Trek. It's just there. Beautiful. How and did it, we get along? I don't know. Before the internet. I have no how idea. Did, how. <laughs> I asked that. It's I, insane. I asked that same question every single day. It's like, what did I do in 1995? Pfft, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, Anessa says I spent more time outdoors. Outdoors. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Very good point. I went to libraries. Uh, <laughs> I owned an Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, uh, oh, the good I bought days. CDs. Yeah. All right. So. Shattered. Uh, this is what it was about. A chronokinetic. So hold up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. 
Go ahead. You you are recommending a specific episode of Star Trek Voyager. Yes, and because this one involves time travel, that's why. Okay. All right. No, sorry. Continue. Here's the plot. A chronokinetic surge from a rift in space interacts with Voyager's warp core, hitting Commander Chakotay with a blast of temporal energy. He awakens in the Doctor's sickbay several years earlier. After a treatment from the Doctor, Chakotay discovers the ship is fractured into many different time periods, which only he can travel between. During his explanation, he finds engineering's under the control of Seska and the Kazon. That's from an uh, early, early on in the series. And the bridge's time uh, period is a few days before the caretaker incident, which um, flung Voyager into the. Uh, they were in the Delta Quadrant, thus make thus making him a McKee spy. Because as you recall, the Voyager was sent to find. Chakotay, um, because he was part of the Maquis resistance. That's what. That's the original. Mm. That was the original mission for Voyager before they got sent to the Delta Quadrant from the caretaker. So, anyways, uh, Chakotay uh, has the Doctor, or uh, I wrote this all wacky. Chakotay uh, has the Doctor produce a hypo spray filled with the same serum he was given and manages to take Captain Janeway hostage, the Captain Janeway that's from way, way in the past. Chakotay then injects her with it to convince the captain that he's telling the truth. The two then figure out that they must inject the serum into the bioneural gel packs that are part of the ship's systems in order to stop the time fracturing and put Chakotay back in the right time period. The pair team up with other members of the crew from different periods, and all is made right by the end of the episode. The temporal prime directive is mentioned in this episode, and it's hinted, it's hinted very slightly at the end of the episode that, Jan- J- that Janeway, that Captain Janeway, remembered Chakotay traveling through time when she was in the past. So mm. she, it's, it's possible because of this episode, before, because of this incident, that Captain Janeway knew her future. That's the one thing to take out of this whole thing was it's possible that Captain Janeway remembers Chakotay going back and kind of telling her a little bit about the future. I see. Yeah. All right. All right. I'd buy that. Great episode. It's and not often we hear praise for Voyager on this podcast. Hey, we like all Star Trek on this podcast, Paul. Remember that. All right. You, all right, all right. You I, will. I, I suppose I can live with that. If you're gonna be on this, <laughs> if you're gonna be on this show, Paul, you are gonna like every incarnation of Star Trek that there ever was. All right, sir. There have been a pretty poor incarnations of Star Trek. Well, I okay. I admit that Enterprise wasn't <laughs> wasn't the best endeavor, but I still liked it because I like Star Trek. Have you tried watching the first season of Next Generation? Yeah, Next Generation. Like really tried? Yeah, first season and a half stinks. It's really bad. But you know what? We liked it because it was Star Trek. Like back when it right. first came out, we didn't think it was that bad because it was Star Trek and it was on TV. It was the return of Star Trek. Right. So they and you'll notice that every single incarnation of Star Trek, the first season and a half, two seasons suck. They're not that good. 
I I get it. I hear you, man. All I'm saying is I, I consider it our responsibility as fans to be okay with criticizing shows <laughs> that we don't necessarily like. Yeah. You know, like I realize that the the sci-fi thing is rare, so people don't want people want to like it. You know, so I, I can understand when it comes that you don't want to like be too hard on it because you don't want it to go away. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the same thing with The Walking Dead. Like, you know, you you know, people didn't want to criticize it. People got really angry at criticism of it because they didn't. They were they were just kind of felt like they were being attacked. And I'm just saying, let's let's build a dialogue. Let's have constructive <laughs> criticism. Let's build towards a better future. <laughs> you sound like we'll a politician, Paul. <laughs> Are you running for something that I don't, I don't know about? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to make an announcement. I am sure. I'll, yes, I'm announcing my candidacy for the president of the Federation uh, Galactic Netcast. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right, sir. You uh, know what? We should do we should do a question of the week. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. We'll I'm, do a question. Of I'm the week. ready, and you were the one that came up with this. So go ahead and ask it. Ask away, Indeed. Paul. All right. Which stereotypical sci-fi character would you be? The constantly morally conflicted captain, the android who just wants to know what love is, the strong, possibly by curious, <laughs> strong woman <laughs> who constantly <laughs> wants to prove herself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Apparently, Dave did not read this beforehand. Uh, That's awesome. And last but not least, the mad scientist who always seems to make morally gray decisions. All right. Who would you be? Great question, Paul. This is very interesting because these are all typical. These are all typical characters that you will find in a lot of science fiction on TV and the movies. So, all right. Indeed. My answer is. The android who just wants to know what love is. That's my answer. Okay. I, re- I can see that. I relate to this character because I've been an outsider pretty much my whole life. And it always feels like that's how I would imagine being an android in a human world is being an outsider. I don't know about love. I guess that would be an issue because an android is not a human and thus doesn't have a soul or emotions, just like data. But... You know, being an outsider and trying to understand the human condition. I guess that's the character mm. that I would be in a typical science fiction story. That's my answer. All right. I understand. Oh, Brad there says more. Brad says the plucky sidekick. <laughs> yes. For, yeah. We'll, this is no by no means an exhaustive list. <laughs> we'll ask this question again and maybe put different answers in next time. <laughs> my personal vote the mad scientist yes making morally great decisions i yes. think that's hilarious i always find them so amusing and so their rationale is always just awesome i love like you know hey yeah try this thing it probably won't make you grow like mushrooms out of your back but you know science it's fun you should do that one no, of i love i love science Lou in the chat room says, best concept for mad scientist is the scientist in the original Day of the Dead. He tries to make the zombies a toll since he can cure them. Oh, a tool. Uh, He tries to make the zombies a tool since he can cure them. Interesting. I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time. I'll have to revisit that. 
I haven't either. But yeah, I you know, I I think that's not that I'm, uh, you know, in real life I'm not a, an especially morally gray type person. But yeah, I always find it funny to listen to scientists just like make crazy crazy decisions based on just to see if it works. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to have that to be a plot for a film. Actually, they haven't done that, and I really want them to. I don't want the main quote unquote bad guy to be evil. I just want him to have an or him or her to have an idea that is just like so unbelievably horrid, catastrophic. But the guy is so curious about it. He just wants to know if it works. Mm -hmm. Like he's not wanting to end the world. That'll just happen anyway. But he wants to see if it'll actually work. I want I would love to see something like that. I think that'd be awesome. No, it's interesting character. And I, I love this question. This is really awesome. Um, let's try identi- let's try to identify each thing. Now, the captain that would be a Star Trek thing, or I guess any really like space opera- any person in authority. Yeah, yeah. Um, the android the person, basically the person who has to make the decisions. Now, the android, one would say at first that that's obviously Data, but I think it was done before Data. Right? It was. I, I said I say Android just because it's sci fi, but you can make like practically any movie or you know, book or whatever that tries to dance with this question of a robot having emotion has to deal with this in some form. You yeah. know, even the Matrix had to deal with this. I mean Pinocchio dealt with this. All I want to do is be a real boy. Yep. So it it goes way, way back. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. the strong, possibly bi-curious, strong woman who has to constantly prove herself. What would be a good example of that of that character? Oh, what's her name? Tasha. Like that was oh, yeah. the first person I thought of. Just like she, I, not that I liked her as a character very much in the first place, but that's who I thought of. I'm like, just like you know, she's the chick who's always trying to you know make make sure that everybody knows how awesome she is. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I'm glad that they got rid of her. But she kept on coming back. <laughs> yeah. She was like a bad it's penny. It's or another. Like, oh, it's a, gen- it's a genetic clone. They yeah. got her for something. Well. <laughs> yeah, Tasha Yar. Okay. Um, and then finally, the mad scientist. That would be in a lot of things. Um, Dr. Frankenstein is one. What sure. example? Sure. Um, there was a... I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but there was an anime called, oh, what was it? Oh, the name is escaping me. But her name was Washu. But she would just make the most horrible things and like think think that they're amazing. And everybody else would just, like, it was a comedy-based thing. They would all just stand back in horror and just, yeah, she's, that, that, was, that was the first person I thought of. I wish I could remember the name. I'll have to look that up uh, after we're done. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come to me eventually. All Tenchi, right. Yes. Thank what, you, Brad. What? what? Tenchi Muyo. That's oh. it. That's the one. <laughs> All right. Wash you. You're the greatest. All right. We are about out of time. We're running long, actually, so we should wrap this up. Before we do, though, we've got some feedback. Joe Bowden left a comment on our last episode, which was two weeks ago, via. Podomatic.com, which is the website that hosts our podcasts. And Joe writes, I really enjoy these podcasts. 
Not sure that Terra Nova will be missed, though. Thought the special effects were pretty poor. What do you think? Do you did, did you ever get a chance to watch Terra Nova? I saw a couple episodes. The one episode I saw was kind of uh, well. The one episode where it was really relevant was that I think I've said this before. Was that episode where they had they realized that they built their their settlement on a mating ground for like this little bird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I kind of I kind of see where he's coming from. I didn't think like even by television standards, I didn't think the special effects were that good. But yeah, they're I, you know overall, I, I wouldn't say they're I wouldn't say they're horrible. They're just kind of you know mediocre. They're better than Grimm. Grimm has got terrible special effects. Yeah. yeah, that show is not. Plots are all right. The special effects suck. All right. So if you want to mm. leave us feedback again, you can leave the feedback by calling our voicemail number. 805-328-3966 or email galacticnetcast.com That's going to do it for episode 25 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, we'll talk to you later, Paul. Be excellent to each other. This has been a presentation of Galactic Netcasts. To subscribe to this and our other podcasts, go to galacticnetcasts.com.